All right, we're second week in this sermon series, What Did Jesus Do? Uh, grab a Bible or something. Uh, probably be good to have a Bible or on your phone. Also, we always want to take a posture of learning and remembering, so something to write notes or take notes on. Uh, it could be your phone as well. I'm just going to dive right in. The scripture where we're going to be at this morning is John chapter 15. I love it because God did yet again what he does so often. And Eric, what you spoke is going to tie right in, I think, with what God wants to speak to us uh, this morning. So John chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. What did Jesus do? Jesus is speaking to his followers, and he says this, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Last week, Michelle kicks us off and, uh, in this series and recognizing that Jesus modeled staying connected to his Father. Remember, Michelle said, like, the number one thing he did was stay connected continuously to his Father and hearing from God the Father and remembering and staying connected. His intimacy with God was the engine of his life, his authentic relationship with the Father. And we have some pretty bold beliefs here in our church. We believe that God actually speaks and continues to speak to us. And so last week, we, we read the scripture, and then we sat in it. Remember, Michelle did Lectio Divina, and we sat in it. We said, what's a word? What's jumping out? What's God speaking to you in this scripture? And then we got even a little more crazy, and we said, okay, turn and tell someone. Talk to someone about it. Just all personal, but share it. And then we responded, remember? And we got up and we took communion last week around tables and had people pray over us. And a bunch of people went to the back and getting prayer, saying, Lord, help us to be connected with the Father and to remember your love for us. Let us be, let us do what Jesus did. What did Jesus do? So what can we do? And here he says, remain in my love. This is not a one-time thing. That was not a one Sunday experience. It was not meant to be a one Sunday experience. It was to help propel us and remember God's love for us. And then we need to stay there. We remain. We sit in it. Remain. When you have a good day, God, remain in your love. When you have a bad day, what does it look like to remain and remember and sit in His love? God has a pursuing and a passionate love for all people. God has a pursuing and a passionate love for you. Last, last week after service, I went to my life group, and we were sitting around the table eating and talking, and then we were talking about the Sunday morning. And at one point, Michelle asked a question and said, you know, do you know that God loves you, and, and do, do you remember that? And one of the people was sharing, and he said, honestly, I thought it was a good question, but I personally didn't like the question. And, and he, said, he said, I guess just I'm at the place where I never question God's love for me. I think all of us kind of leaned in like, man, that's admirable. And he's someone, their family, their house was severely burned in the fire. 
And he shared a story of, he said, man, I, I went and the house was all charred and smoke damage and half of it was burned, but I went up and somehow when the electricity came on, there were lights in my daughter's room. Like, you know, the LED lights that all teenagers put in their room all the time now. Um, and, and he goes, so they were on, and I went in there, and he goes, and just the light in the room and the smoke damage, everything, and he goes, I just got down on my knees, and I prayed, and I just said, God, we need you. Please help. He said, but never. He, he said, it all came out of a place of, God, I know you love us. I, I was not wagging my finger saying, why did you? He said, I knew and I know he loves us and I have never questioned that. I never questioned that through these experiences. But I also recognize deeper my need for him. Do we know God's love for us? Remain, remain in my love. So a good question to ask uh, when we see a scripture like this is, okay, remain in my love. Okay, how, how do we do that? Like really in the reality and the fabric of life, how do we do that? Jesus goes on. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. Jesus say, says that we remain in his love by doing what he says, just like he has modeled for us by doing what the Father tells him to do. This is where love moves from a feeling and a tingly, like, oh, nice, and, and we sing that worship song, and I just felt God's love, and it moves from a feeling, which is not a bad thing, it just got to move to a, more, a, a deeper thing, which is action and response. Love does, love acts, love obeys. We remain in the Father's love by doing, by taking action. But especially anytime, especially in religious circles, especially in faith communities, motive matters. Motive matters. Let me say this as clearly and as directly as possible. We don't keep Jesus' commands or we don't keep God's commands to earn His love. We keep His commands because we are loved and we want to remain in it and grow in it. Remember, obedience is not a form of earning. That really mixes motives. No, obedience to God is a means of remaining in His love. Obedience is a method of remaining in God's love. Just, in what ways do you respond to God's love? And what's the big mo? Just take a minute and be like, am I trying to earn it or am I responding out of it? Very different, very different. So anytime with a command, motive matters. And so, you know, Jesus, what's your motive in saying obey? Remain in my love by obeying what I do. Like if, if I was watching a parent and uh, if someone said, hey, like if, if I saw a parent say, hey, it, show me that you love me by doing the dishes, it almost seems manipulative. Like, if you really love me, you'll clean your room. I, 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 if, if that was like your parenting technique, we'd probably have a conversation. 
Yet it seems like this is what Jesus is saying. Like, if you love me, you're going to obey what I command you to do. You're going to do what I'm calling you to. So Jesus, what's your motive here? Are you trying to manipulate this thing? Is God trying to manipulate us into, you know, some weird coercive go do my things for me? Verse 11, Jesus, what's your motive? I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. His motive is our joy. When I think about this, for Jesus to kind of have the audacity to say this, it, even for those who, who, who in that time were around him, I mean, to say, like, I'm telling you this so that my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. Someone's got to have a lot of joy in their life to be able to say that. Like, hey, I, I, you'll be more like me. You'll have this joy and this contentment and this deep satisfaction, and I want that in you. Jesus was fun to be around. He was deeply content, deeply satisfied. I mean, and that's what when we get that character and we see what did Jesus do and we see who he was, you're like, I want to emulate a life like this. This provocative, powerful love for all people, but then this deep satisfaction and contentment and perspective and joy that flows out of intimacy with the Father. That's his motive, that his joy would be in us. So what's he tell us? What's he say to do? My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. You got to remember the original audience. When this is happening, this is at the communion dinner. This is at the Last Supper. It's the apostles in the upper room. That night he had just washed their feet. The master, the leader, had served and washed their feet. He's going to share that communion and say, okay, this is my body given for you. It's my blood that's going to be poured out. In the room was the tax collector and the zealot opposing, uh, like, opposing ends of the political spectrum. Diverse crowd. There were the naive, the ignorant, the arrogant. I mean, he had just washed the feet of the one who would betray him. This is my command. Love each other as I have loved you. And when he'd leave the room that night, he's going to be betrayed. He's going to be denied. He's going to be falsely accused. He's going to be ridiculed. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be spit on. He's going to be crucified. And he's going to say, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they're doing. Greater love, Jesus goes on, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Love one another. And great love is shown, it's measured by the amount of sacrifice, of personal sacrifice. 
Don't tell me who you love. Tell me how you sacrifice for that person. How you lay down your life, how you put another's needs above your own. Maybe if we measure the amount of love in our life by the amount of sacrifice we make for someone. What if we measured our love for our spouse by the amount we laid down our life for him, for her? Measure our love for our children by the amount we lay down our life for them. It's not about us. Measure the love for your friends by the amount you lay down your life for them. See what Jesus is teaching here and how he's showing that he is our model. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, that's how I have loved you. He said, as I have remained in my Father's love by obeying what he said, I want you to remain in my love by obeying what I say. Love one another. Greater love has no one than this. He laid down his life for his friends. And guess what? As I lay down my life for you, I want to call you to lay down your lives for others. And he uses a word here. He doesn't just say lay down our lives for others. He says lay down one's life for one's friends. He speaks a little bit deeper and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. You are my friends. He calls his followers friends. Jesus models friendship. And have you guys heard this thing like, oh, we are a friend of God, or God wants to be friends with us? Like, whenever I hear that, it's just a little cringy. I, I, I mean, I think it seems to diminish a reverence. Yet friendship, personally for me, is like one of my biggest values and joys in life. I love having good friends, and it's really important to me to be a good friend. Think about friendship for a minute. Just think about friendship. A friend, what does a friend do? Before I read what I wrote, I'm just going to straight up ask you. Tell me some things. What friendship, what are some values or virtues, or what does a friend do? What does a good friend do? A friend listens. A friend comforts. A friend... A friend shows up with a pickup truck and helps you move. A friend would say yes even before they know what it is they're being asked. A friend is someone that helps her husband do what? Put in a water heater. I think we're getting very specific. Someone said something here. A friend speaks truth. 
Yeah, a friend has, has great compassion with you and for you. Also, a friend will set boundaries. Mm. Friend shows up. A friend makes you a better person. Yeah, a friend enjoys you. A friend can show up and know when to shut up, huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, sit, they can just sit next to you and just know. Just my presence. Friend gives you food. I've got a goal in life to have as many refrigerator friends as possible. You know what that means? Yeah, yeah. You can go to their house and you open their fridge and you don't even need to ask them. You're just that comfortable. I'm coming to your house this week. <clears throat> I wrote a couple things, and I don't think I wrote anything that you didn't say. A friend shares. A friend cares. A friend shows up. A friend will laugh with you. A friend cries with you. A friend will tell you the hard things. A friend knows when to be quiet. A friend is for you always, always. And Jesus calls us into friendship. And so maybe I need to check myself and not just dismiss this friend with God as a little cringy, but like push into the heart of that. So Jesus, what are, you, what, are you, what are you offering? What are you calling? Verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. God is not looking for servants. He's looking for friends who will lay down their lives for the Father's business. It's, it's as if Jesus is saying, listen, I am here to offer hope and life to a world that has gone crazy. The world is lost. And I am here to rescue the orphans, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set prisoners free, to love the wounded, to bring sight to the blind, to care for the aching, restore feeling to the numb, bring back life as it is meant to be. I am calling you to partner with me. And I am giving you my spirit to guide and strengthen you. I am sharing the heart of my Father with you. And I need you to experience God's love for you. I need you to then share that with others. I need you to be my self-giving love. What I have modeled for you. And in that you are going to find a deep joy and contentment. Verse 16, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. And so whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. God chose you. His great love reached out to you. He made the first move. And then he appointed you. Not merely to be a receiver, not just a consumer. 
although we do consume and receive, but a doer of His love. You have a mission. Friends, we have a mandate. Bear fruit. Lay down your life. Be in the process of dying to yourself. Be transformed and be reformed from the self-seeking culture that seeps into our souls. And He can heal us from and set us free. Jim Elliott was a missionary who had this like passionate love for God. And you read some of what he, what he writes, and he just had this really powerful connection with the Father and love for God. And out of that, he goes to be a missionary and says, hey, I want to go tell people about this love people have never heard. And so he goes to people who end up killing him, who end up killing him. And so he has this, <clears throat> he's got all kinds of great writings, but he has this quote that I always find just powerful. And Jim Elliott says, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Bear fruit that you cannot lose. Model the friendship of God's love for us. And that scripture said, so that in that you're going to bear fruit, and then whatever, whatever you ask God, He'll give you. But you need, we all need to recognize this. God is not the genie in the bottle. So often people like pull a little quote out and says, well, God says He'll give me whatever He asks, and I asked for this, and He didn't give me, so God must not be true. Must not be who He says He is. No, the problem is, the Bible says that if we ask God, He will give us. No, no, no. The Bible says that the Father loves us. And we're called to remain in that. Jesus shows us that remaining in His love looks like doing what He asks us. And we are fulfilling in that by loving passionately in self-giving ways. We are fulfilling His mandate on this earth. And so what do our prayers look like from that perspective? Lord, help me to love people in a way greater than I even have capacity for. I think God loves to answer that prayer. And it's really important whenever we're talking these real action things out of intimacy with, with God, it, it can so easy start to shift and we're like, I didn't do enough. I could have done more. Remember, we're responding because He loves us. We're not trying to earn His love for us. And so in that, don't be, very hard. Don't be too hard on yourself. Don't be too hard on yourself. Recognize that you're, you're, it's all, we're always in process. And we're never going to arrive. Lord, help me love a little bit more this year than I did last. Help me give of myself a little more. Help me remain in your love and experience you in a way that it fills the reservoir and overflows a bit more this year.
This is my command, says Jesus. Love, love each other. God, where do we start with all of these? I think probably where to start is start with those around you. Love one another. Boulder Valley, love one another. Try not to make it too obvious, but who's sitting next to you right now? Who's sitting behind you? Who's sitting in front of you? Love one another. And may our love for one another be a reflection of God's love for us. And to the measure that we love one another, we experience the love of the Father. 1 John 3.16, Eric, you read John 3.16, 1 John 3.16 says this, by this, and I didn't put this on the screen, so just listen, but write it down, 1 John 3.16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our life for others. What did Jesus do? He modeled friendship with God and one another. Jesus modeled a friendship with God, a connection, a reverence, a love for his Father, and that trust, that showing up. He knew the character of God, then he modeled that friendship character of God for us. And he calls us into it. So, What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you? I just, I feel like this pastoral pulse of, of like wanting to go down. I, I just know so darn many of you guys, and I want to like interview you or say like, what's God saying to you right now? What's he calling you into? And I just... I just know that it's, there's variety in here and that the Lord's speaking differently. Some of us, he's saying, listen, you are so exhausted because you've been doing, 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 and the truth is, be convicted this morning because you're trying to earn my love. It's not flowing out of it. And come and just sit, sit. You need to refill. Others of us, he's saying, listen, you're struggling in your faith because all you do is self-fill and it's meant to pour out. You're kind of selfish and you think I'm just here for you. I love you and I have mandate and mission for you. For some of us, the Lord's putting someone on our mind. God, you're calling me into friendship and to model friendship and the truth is I've been pretty selfish in that friendship. And you're just, you're giving me a command. You're telling me what to do. You're going to do it? 